Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. This is Tommy Dome, and I am real happy to be with a good friend of mine and a priest of the diocese, Father Michael Dank. Hello, parishioners of St. Basil's. I asked Father Dank here to answer a question which is, how do I get more out of Mass? But I also want to cover why that's not really a great question. But we'll cover that and more in the minutes following. But first of all, Father Michael is a priest of the Diocese of Cleveland. His home parish was Holy Family in Parma. And his first assignment after being ordained, what year were you ordained? 2007. All right, 2000. So he was a priest at St. Barnabas in Northfield, and then St. Joseph in Amherst, and then St. Gabriel in Mentor. Mentor. I don't know why I said Mentor. <laughs> and then, <laughs> what are you doing now? Oh, so this last summer, actually, I became an aspirant for an institute called Voluntas Dei, which means the will of God. So I'm entering into this time of discernment of kind of a call within the call, Voluntas Day, what I'm doing with them is really being open to this call of God kind of using me and setting me aside in particular to focus on evangelization and and really helping people grow in their prayer life, teaching people how to pray. Mm -hmm. So I entered this past August, and then I also became a priest in residence at Walsh University. So they had built a brand new studio there with um, a podcast room and a, a production studio, I asked if you if they needed a priest that was interested in that kind of stuff, so it seemed to be a good fit, and I started there this last summer as well, and it's been it's been a wonderful time being at Walsh, and also having this uh, dedicated time to focus on the spiritual life, and as mm-hmm. well as the media, how to use them like you are, how to use the media to to bring about the message of Christ. So, do you also spend any time with the students there at that university? Yeah. Yeah, so I do a lot of, well, I do confessions and mass every day, but really most of my time is is individual spiritual direction with the students. Mm. Kind mm. of like everything I do with the prodigal father, the students are getting the experience of of how to get into production and use the media for the spiritual life. So mm. yeah, I am, I'm interacting with them nonstop. And, but the students, they're just so, I don't know, people say the young adults are, are the missing kind of generation, and, mm-hmm. and they are in some ways, but... They're alive. I mean, it's really, it's you could have like 40 kids there on a random Tuesday night with a bonfire. So it's just been a neat experience for me to, to be around them. And some of that is a credit to Walsh University too, right? Oh, yeah. It's all Walsh University. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they've just, they've really kind of built an identity of, of being uh, distinguished for being a Catholic university. And we're lucky to have that yeah. so close to us. All right. Well, you mentioned the prodigal father a couple of times. Without explaining what that is, what is that? Thank you, yeah. The prodigal father is uh, really all about God the Father. So sometimes because I use that as a brand, people think that I'm the prodigal father. Uh, And in some ways that's true, but really the prodigal father is God the Father. And my whole desire in life really is to help people come to know how much the Father loves you unconditionally. So we, we know the parable, the prodigal son, it's the most famous parable I think that there is, the most well-known parable. It's also, some theologians would say, if, if we could only use one parable to illustrate God's love, we could that, that parable would be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, the word prodigal really comes from the Latin prodigious, and it means to give freely or lavishly. 
And so we often think about that as being the son because he does waste everything the father gives him. But the one that's really prodigal in the parable is God the father. He gives everything to to the sons all along their life that ask of it. And when the one son wants his share and wants to take it and run, the father gives it to him. And he goes and he wastes it and he squanders it and he comes back to the father. And what does the father do? Slaughters the fattened calf, has a, has a feast. He gives him more. And I, I love it too because the older son is outside the feast and he's he's a little resentful, but the father goes to him too. He runs out to him and he invites him back in and he says, my son, everything I have is yours. I've held nothing from you, you know, but we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother who is lost has been found. So God the Father has enough grace to keep giving to us, even if we waste it, even if we squander it, we can always turn back to him and and be reconciled with him. So the prodigal father is, that image is about bringing people to God through prayer, but it's also a nonprofit that helps me develop all these resources. So I have a number of apps out, I have a, a book, just a bunch of uh, videos and things that I do, and that really helps helps me do that kind of work. So that's how people can connect with you, is it theprodigalfather.org? Yep. Well, there's a line from St. Padre Pio who said this, it's easier for the earth to exist without the sun than without the holy sacrifice of the mass. Mm. That's how important mass is, and that's what is keeping the world going. So we better get into this, all right? So I asked Father Dank, to come up with his top 10 list, and I came up with my own top 10 list. Top 10 things to do to have a more powerful experience at Mass. And we'll just sort of go back and forth on them. You can start with your uh, first five, and I'll jump in. So what do you say? How do people get more out of Mass? Okay, so here's my number one. And they used to say to us in the seminary, and this works appropriately for me, if you're on time, you're late. So the the idea is that we we need to go to mass early to prepare and to kind of get ourselves settled in. And I can relate to this really because growing up there were six kids in my family and it was always just utter chaos trying for my God bless my parents but trying to get all six of us into the car at mass not forgetting one of us at home, you know, and getting us all there into the pew. You know, we and we sat in the front pew always. It was kind of neat. We mm-hmm. got to sit in the front mm-hmm. pew always during mass. But I don't know that we ever went like really early. I think that was just they were doing the best that they could to get us there by the time mass started. So I never really had the habit of going to to mass early. Mm -hmm. So it was great in the seminary because they taught us or they would use this line, if you're on time, you're late. So they would use this line to help us realize that it's it's so essential that we go early for many reasons. Uh, practically, it just helps us to have some time of transition from the secular to the sacred, mm. you know, from everything that's going on in our world to entering into Mass. Because if you just show up right away as Mass starts, your mind is like probably in a, a thousand different places. And it, it takes a while just for that to settle down. I think it's also good too just to spend some time there in the church before the Blessed Sacrament preparing our hearts for this amazing thing that's about to happen. So much of of this is about preparation and, and being aware of, of what God is going to do in our lives. I think it's true, especially with kids. My sister was asking me, she has a boy and a, a girl, and 
she was just having a lot of trouble, you know, just getting them to be good at mass. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her just to think about maybe going early and giving them a little tour of the church, kind of getting them settled in before mass. And um, she just said it worked really great. She said it was an awesome way to get the kids acquainted and settled down as opposed to just running in last minute. So that would be my number one tip for people is to actually go early. If you're on time, you're late. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, in one of his talks that he gives about spending a daily holy hour in commenting on the agony in the garden, when Jesus says, can you wait with me, pray mm. with me for one hour? He makes the remark, and it just rings so true for me. He says, Jesus asks us to pray for an hour because sometimes it takes a whole hour for us to actually start praying. Right. Because yeah. there are mm -hmm. so many, he describes it like just so many tentacles of an octopus reaching out for our attention, trying to get us to focus elsewhere. And he says it can take that long. The other thing I thought about while you were saying that, it was for some reason it popped in my head. Like if you are going to see a concert of a band that you really like, mm -hmm. like on the way there, you're, you're totally to music, listening yeah. to the album, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, that's the true. songs that you, cause you're like, Oh, I gotta, gotta right. get up. Get right. And you want to get everything you can out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Especially if it's a band that you loved like 10 years ago mm -hmm. and they're finally coming mm -hmm. back to your city. You're like, Oh man, I haven't heard these songs in so long. I got to get, get used to them. All right. What's next? So the second one is, did you know that at every mass, your sin can be forgiven? Venial that is. Come prepared specifically for what you want to ask God to be given for. Uh, I don't think I knew this either growing up, but so every time we receive the Eucharist, our sins are forgiven. Now, there is that, the, you know, the, the certain caveat that if, you, if there's any grave or mortal sin in your life, you'd want to go to confession before you receive the Eucharist. And if you've been away from the church or, or away from the faith, don't, don't let that be an obstacle for you, you know? So still continue to go to Sunday Mass, but just um, abstain from receiving our spiritual, you know, saints would say make a spiritual communion, you know? So with your intention, just choose to be there with Jesus. And then when you're ready, I would encourage you to go to confession. It's such an amazing sacrament. I, it's, it is. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, right, as a priest, but confession is one of my favorite sacraments. I just love the opportunity to bring people back and to reconcile them with God. So maybe you're listening right now, and this could be God speaking to you and inviting you back to the faith or back to communion or back to confession. So if you have been to confession and, you know, there aren't any mortal sins, Every time we go to Mass, our sins are forgiven. And I don't know if you're like me, um, every day, every day I, I do things that I think, why did I do that? You know, or what was I thinking? Or opportunities that I missed, you know, that I really wish I would have done something, approached somebody or helped somebody, and for some reason didn't. But when the priest says at the beginning of Mass, he says, let us take a moment to call to mind our sin. The, the ideal is that there is actually a moment of silence there. Sometimes we don't do that because I don't, I yeah. don't know. We just, I got way more sins to bring to mind than, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> than I can do in one second. So, um, so the, the, the ideal is that the priest will pause and give you silence. And that's your time to, to call to mind any sin that you have and that you want to be forgiven for. And right there at this mass, your sins will be forgiven. That's why it's also good to prepare is because you don't have a lot of time. You know, like the priest is going to say, let us take a moment to call to mind our sins. A moment really is 
less than a minute, I think, whatever the definition is, but it's not a very long time. So it's good if you have the sins on your mind that you want to be forgiven for. So that's another thing that you can do to prepare for Mass, either if you come early or even as you're driving there or the night before. I I have an, an app called The Examine Prayer, and that's another wonderful way to do it is just to every night before you go to bed, go through this these five steps, but one of them is forgiveness. And before you go to Mass that week, you could just scroll through and see, okay, what are the things that I really want to bring to God and be forgiven for? Number three, come prepared to ask God for your heart's desire. So this is another one that is also a very quick part of the Mass, but an amazing part that I, again, don't know that I was ever aware of, and I'm assuming maybe not a lot of Catholics are aware of. But when the priest says, let us pray at the beginning of Mass, there's also supposed to be a moment of silence. And that when he says, let us pray, it's not just a cue for like the server to bring the book. He's saying, let us pray, like all of us together, mm-hmm. let us pray. And it's called the collect. The collect, I think, is how it's pronounced. But it's called the, you know, the, the, the collect, and it's the priest collecting all of the prayers of the people. So when the priest says, let us pray, there's a moment of silence, that's your chance, like, to ask God for anything. Mm-hmm. This is like the most intense, heightened opportunity that we have of asking God and actually getting our, our responses to God and, and him responding. So it's really good to have your petition ready for that. Um, and it might be something for yourself that you are desiring in your own life, or it might be someone, you know, someone that's sick or suffering and, or has asked for their prayers. Maybe it's somebody you know and love that's away from the faith. But whatever it is, to, to be ready and prepared for that. So when the priest says, let us pray, and there's silence, you can actually pray and, and offer to God whatever it is you want to ask him. And I would say, Go big, you know, like ask him, <laughs> ask him for what you really, really desire. Yeah. Don't, don't just go with, be with me today. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, that's a fine prayer, but I think God is honored when we acknowledge he can do amazing things. Right. He can work miracles and with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. So it is very deliberate that those words are, let us pray and not listen to me pray. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, hit up number four. Number four is try to listen for one word in the readings or any word during Mass that God is speaking to you. This probably, I, I, I just love this for myself too. I think sometimes whenever we experience like too much, like an overwhelming experience of something, take even like a firework show. You know, like sometimes firework shows are just boom, boom, boom. There's so much that you almost like over... Like, you can't even take it all in. Mm-hmm. The Mass is like that. The Mass, I think, is like a fire hydrant of God's Word just being launched at you. Sometimes I think, you know, when people say, I'm bored at Mass or I don't get anything out of it, I almost wonder if that's because it's such an overwhelming experience of the Word. We hear a lot of words at Mass. You know, yeah, it's, it's just a barrage. Like, it's a barrage. But if we could just take one word from that Mass or one phrase, the image that I used once... Uh, I'm a little bit more mature in my 11 years as a priest, but um, early on, I, I still think this was good, but early on, I, one of the homilies, the gospel was the sower and the seed. And so that, you know, the images, the sower was taking the seed and he was, he was throwing it. And some of the seed was hard and some of it was thorny and some of it was rich soil. I kind of think of that at mass that like the seed is literally being thrown at us at every 
from the opening prayer to the op- opening song, you know, every every everything is 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 scripture during mass all the readings all the prayers so like i i took this huge bag of sunflower seeds one time at mass i decided to use that as an illustration of how god's seed mm-hmm. is being thrown so i literally took handfuls of it and just began throwing it at the people you know first reading boom here's a whole bunch second reading responsorial psalm eucharistic prayer all the whole bag was gone and there's seeds all over the place you know so people were literally like at the end of mass picking it out of their hair and their clothes and um but the idea is yes there's a lot there's so much but just get one like just one word or one phrase to hold on to and it'll change your life it'll change your week and it will change your life did you take the church maintenance person out to lunch after that? Uh, well, actually, having to the, I did. I did actually ask the pastor beforehand for permission, and he said only if people, only if you clean it all up. Right. <laughs> so I told people I have a really good homily idea, but I need about ten volunteers to help me clean up. Otherwise, you're going to get a bad homily. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the volunteers. We all vacuumed and cleaned it up. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So they're not still there. Uh, they the, probably are somewhere. The carpet, yes. Growing new, beautiful sunflowers. Mm-hmm. All right. What is your fifth one? My fifth is has to do with the homily. So pray for us priests when we preach, when we give a homily. I always, I, I do. I say, Holy Spirit, use me any way that you want. You know, even even if it's going to be embarrassing, just just use me. I offer myself to you. Speak through me. I'm your instrument. But what I always love to do is have somebody bless me before Mass and just pray over me. Father McCreary is a, a wonderful priest who told me this. He said, have somebody especially that, um, you know, is is poor or maybe disabled or ill or going through something weak in some ways pray over you and the power of their prayers to inspire the Holy Spirit to work through you in the homily. And so I began doing that, but I, I, I think it would be good if not only one person did that for me, but if the whole church was praying for the priest to be mm-hmm. inspiring during his homily, I think that would that would help everybody. So I think especially if the priest is not giving a good homily or, you know. Um, start praying real hard. Start praying real hard. Pray for that priest. Ask the Holy Spirit to work through that priest, especially in our weakness. So that's my my fifth one is, is is pray to the Holy Spirit to speak through the priest, and especially to you in the homily. Uh, there was a priest at a at another parish a while back. Uh, this wasn't Saint Basil's, but it was a priest, and they would sometimes get political in the homily mm-hmm. with politics that I didn't agree with. So. Every time I went to mass with this priest, I would be listening, super attentive to like, what's he going to say? Is he going to upset me again? <laughs> but most of the time he didn't go that route. Instead, he was given like a pretty good homily and I was oh, paying really? really good attention, <laughs> waiting for him to upset me. Uh-huh. But instead he'd say totally what I needed to hear. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Like <laughs> totally what I needed. And you but are you using really my pride. Yeah. No, I was oh, like, okay, I was like, thank you, you Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, wow. like he made me listen, and I heard what I needed to hear, and some of those homilies were were really good. Wow, that's so amazing. it's cool how he, God works through that. All right, let me throw out a couple suggestions here. A lot of what you said, of course, I agree with, so I won't go through all my ten. But one of mine is, if there's something distracting you in mass, try to go the other direction. So, if there's something happening up front that is distracting for you to see. 
then take your glasses off or close your eyes. Mm. So you just don't see it anymore. Mm -hmm. Or if you're the kind of person who usually listens to the mass, prays with your eyes closed, but then you find your mind wandering, then open your eyes. Mm -hmm. Like whatever it is, do the opposite and you can just stare at the crucifix. You know, um, one of the things that I love teaching is prayer and contemplative prayer. There are distractions, you know, no matter what, we're going to be distracted. The virtue is returning our attention to Christ. You know, so if you're distracted during Mass, let that be an opportunity to grow in virtue. If you turn it's a gift. Your, it is a gift. It's a gift, but also virtues are, are things that have to be practiced as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you get distracted 100 times during Mass, but if you turn your attention 101 times back to the Eucharist, you are growing in tremendous virtue. That's 101 acts of love. Yeah. 101 yeah. acts of choosing God. Over the other thing. Because you mm-hmm. could get distracted only once during Mass and go with that distraction and just be like, yeah, football, chicken wings, <laughs> and home improvement projects. And you just go off and yeah. you never return yeah. to the Mass. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, would be a tragedy. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great lesson. There's a book summarizing St. Teresa of Avila's teachings on distractions and prayer. And it's called Distractions, Blessing or Curse. Yeah, And it goes through how we can view these as opportunities, right. as gifts, as kind of like a little a little test. And God is saying, you can choose me right now, mm-hmm. or you can choose to let your mind wander. And every time we come back, like you say, is a little... Yeah, one phrase that stuck with me over the years is that every temptation can become an invitation. The distractions you might experience during Mass could actually be an opportunity to say, okay, I, I, maybe my mind was going somewhere else, and this distraction actually is going to help me be mm-hmm. present. Yeah. All right. Next, I have take the liturgical postures seriously, Mm. whatever they are, whatever with your hands or bowing or genuflecting, do them fully, do them deliberately. I heard Mother Teresa said something about this, and I can't find the direct quote anymore, but it was something like, just do what you're already doing, but with more deliberation. You don't need to add more time to what you're doing. Just do mm-hmm. what you're already doing more seriously. Be more present. Do it more slowly. I don't exercise, okay? <laughs> really. But I have heard, and this might be untrue, but like at uh, at a gym where people work out, there's like a mirror. There's like mirrors yeah, on the yeah, walls. Yeah. And somebody told me, I don't know, you might know, that when you are lifting weights, if you can see yourself doing it, then you subconsciously use better form Mm -hmm. because you're watching your posture and how you're lifting and you would lift slower and that that's better. Yeah, and I know some physical therapists that would say that too. It's much better to do the the motion correctly and slowly and deliberately a handful of times than a hundred times in the Mm -hmm. wrong way, obviously. Cool, cool. Yeah, and we pray with our body. We're embodied spirits. So what we do with our bodies matters you know so when we're sitting at mass we're sitting in a a posture to receive it's kind of cool actually that at those moments you don't have to be doing anything like the rest of our lives are pretty busy where we're always expected to do something or produce something all you got to do is sit back and like take it in obviously when we stand when we kneel those are amazing times just to be aware of our bodies and and the reverence that that can bring yeah, our faith is incarnational. That's the lesson that, that we learn from 
what happened at Christmas, or the Annunciation, I should say. Father McCreary, that same Capuchin priest, would always say, too, like if you're struggling or doubting God or the faith or whatever, just get down on your knees, kneel. And by the act of kneeling, you're expressing your faith. Your your, your body is saying, I believe. Mm. And so, you know, obviously we do that at Mass on Sundays. So just by kneeling down, you're making an act of faith. Yeah, sometimes our souls lead our bodies to do the right thing. Like when the alarm goes off and you realize it's time to get up and you got to take your kids to school. And so you say, okay, I want to do the right thing, get up, take my kids to school, go to work. So you get up with your body and do it. Or if a friend is like, hey, wake up early on Saturday morning, come help me move. And you say, that's the right thing to do. I want to do the right thing with my body. Mm -hmm. So it's our souls leading our bodies. But sometimes at Mass our mind can wander or our soul becomes unfocused, then the church in her wisdom uses these bodily postures to have our bodies lead our souls back. So that's why they are important. All right, next for me, and then we'll get back to some of your tips, I have dress up. Dress up for mass. Mm. And, and this is, oh, yeah. this is uh, now I'm navigating a minefield here, right? Because some folks will feel like I'm tearing into them or whatever. But I'm not judging anybody or condemning anyone. I will only judge one person, actually. And that is myself. My former self. When I did not dress up mm. for mass. And you know all the all the research about kids wearing school uniforms or dress codes at work. You know, when I dress more professionally, I act more professionally. I speak more professionally. Yeah. I, I sit up better. Everything, right? right? When I was a youth minister, someone wiser than myself said, if you want your students to dress at seven out of 10, then you got to dress a nine out of 10. Mm. Okay. And lead them in that way. So I started wearing a tie every life night, every Sunday. And then when I was no longer youth minister here, I started wearing a suit. So I wear a suit every single Sunday, whatever Mm -hmm. mass I go to. I'm not, not a lector, extraordinary minister. I'm just there to pray. And uh, it's helped me. So I'm not judging people who walk in wearing whatever. I'm just saying, work to my life. It helps me too. You know, well, I celebrate Mass almost every day, but to help see Sunday as the, you know, the the source and summit, the Sunday Eucharist. So I will, I'll do that as well too. I'll wear nicer shoes and I don't have a lot of, I usually dress as a priest, you know, so there's not much I can do, but I do try to make that more formal. There was a kid at my last parish, uh, his name is Andrew, I think he'll be a great priest one day, but he's in the third grade and he dresses in a suit every Sunday for Mass. Mm. His parent, he does it on uh, of his own, none of the other kids do it, but uh-huh. he does it and he's just so excited to be there and, and that's inspiring for me too. So I, I, it does have an impact not only on ourselves, but but other people but as on well. on others, yeah. Yeah. And now I'll really now I'll really get in trouble. Okay, I heard a, somebody on the radio. He was asking his listeners about the topic of dressing up for church, and he asked this question. I thought it was great. He said, "If you were invited to the Academy Awards, how would you dress, and what does that say mm-hmm. about you?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I'd wear a suit or I'd wear a tux, you know? Right, right, right. And well, what does that say about that event? And then he really called me out. And he said, you know, I hear all the time people say, God knows what's in my heart. Yeah. God knows what's right. in my heart. But at a certain point, what is in our hearts? You know, mm-hmm. if it's a relationship of love and adoration and 
then it, it's not that big a deal to dress up. And it does communicate a little something more. You know, if my wife and I went out for our anniversary, I could say, oh, we don't need to go to a nice place. She knows what's in my heart. Right. Or yeah. we could go and I could say, oh, I don't need to dress up. She knows what's in my heart. Mm-hmm. Or I could say, I don't need to hold my wife's hand. She knows what's in my heart. You know, I don't need to give her a kiss as I leave in the morning. Right. She knows what's in my heart. I don't need to tell her I love her. She knows what's in my heart. Uh-huh. But at a certain point, you, you think, okay, you're not a psychopathic, terrible husband. <laughs> but but. <laughs> but why don't you want to do those extra mm. things? Right? So yeah, I think in love, really the, little, awesome. the little things matter. Of course, the big things matter in love. But the little things matter too. Yeah. And I, I would be the first, especially growing up, of I think some of it is – we, we want to be loved unconditionally. So I want to be, growing up, I wanted to be loved as I was, not dressed up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I sympathize Which you are, with that. And yes, you were. we are, definitely. But, but Tommy, I just think that's a beautiful image that, yeah, our, our, our dressing up helps us enter into and express that love. We're a sacramental church. We're an embodied, as we talked about. You know, so all of these things do communicate with God, our, our, our deeper heart. All right, back to you. You got any other tips back for... Back to me. Let's see. What am I on? Getting the most out of Mass. Offer your life. When the, the, the offertory, this is uh, when the, the gifts are brought forward, the gifts of bread and wine, and often to you know any collection is brought forward. So these gifts are, in the, in the traditional older times, these gifts were often made by the community. So they would grind the wheat and make the bread. You know, they would crush the grapes and ferment and mm. make the wine and bring them up. And we miss out a little bit on that experience now because usually we just have the pre-made everything. Mass and produced, it's brought up, yeah. Mass produced. So what we can do now, the offertory is a great time for you to offer your life to God. So offer it all, your life, your, your wife, your family, your job, your gifts and talents, whatever it may be, to offer it up and place yourself with those gifts that are symbolic of the fruit of our labor. Whatever you do, let the the gifts of bread and wine represent your service and labor to God. I think it's kind of cool, again, if you go early to Mass, usually the gifts are placed somewhere near the back of the church or halfway up. It's somewhere so that they can be carried up. It might even be a neat experience for you, and I often do this, to, to pray beforehand with the bread and wine there and just to offer yourself, like imagine yourself, they're being brought up with with the gifts. So the offertory, I think, is another wonderful part to give your life to God. And the more that we give to God, the more that he's going to give back to us. And the line in the liturgy that, that really prompts us to do that and shows that we're not just here watching some other sacrifice, but we're uniting ours, is uh, is that pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours, and yours yeah. may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. The next is Jesus comes to us in four different ways. This is a, a teaching of the church long long held that the four primary ways that we experience Christ at every Mass. So firstly, we experience him in the Word of God. So anytime the Word of God is read or proclaimed, God is present and he's speaking to you. The second is that he's present in the gathered assembly. So Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am present among you. Take a look around. He's there and all the body of Christ gathered together. So God is in the Bible readings and in the people 
And what else? Two more. The next one is he's in the priest. So in Persona Christi, especially at the time of consecration, God is present, Christ is present in the priest. So, you know, look to the priest, especially during those times. Uh, and, the, and then the final one, the source and summit, is the Eucharist. So God is present in the real presence of the body and blood that we receive at the Eucharist. I, I always love when I when I hear that. Because you go to Mass and you have Jesus coming to you in four different ways. You, you don't get that mm-hmm. everywhere. In the Bible, in the people, in the priest, and in the Eucharist. All right, what about when we receive Holy Communion? For me, receiving Holy Communion is just to do so reverently. I mean, you're receiving the body of Christ. I think a struggle is we're vulnerable when we go up there because we're now coming out of the assembly and we're going up to the priest. And I I think sometimes people may be self-conscious with that. So I would just invite you to let that be a really reverent time. Mm. I think what's so important is that you receive the Eucharist instead of taking it. I think we've also become kind of a culture of self-service and of taking, and it's hard for us to receive. Mm. So I've just kind of noticed as a priest, sometimes even when people hold their hands, before I place the Eucharist in their hands, they'll kind of grab it. They'll grab the body of Christ. Or even in the mouth, when they'll receive from the mouth, sometimes they they kind of like, you know, reach forward and bite. You got to watch your fingertips sometimes. <laughs> but um, I would say just to really receive, let yourself be in a posture of receiving. And and, and I know that is difficult for us because we're so used to taking and grasping. Mm. So it is really getting used to receiving. That as you hold your hands out, it's like holding like the manger to receive the body of Christ or throne to receive him. Or if you receive by your mouth, just to, just to tilt your head back and close your eyes and, and receive him into you. And then truly just allow yourself to feel, even as you feel the host in your mouth or the precious blood, to, to feel and to taste and to take him into you. He's filling at that moment the void that we all feel. That we all feel. You know, we all kind of go through moments where we feel a, a void. And right there, we're literally eating or taking him into us. Yeah, God purposely created us with a God-sized hole Mm. and a God-shaped hole. And since it's God-sized, it's infinite. It's an infinite hole. So you could pour as much money, sex, power, toys down into that hole, and it won't make a dent. Mm -hmm. And he's the only one. Like St. Augustine so powerfully said, our hearts are restless till they rest in you. Very quick. Sometimes... It helps to mix it up, go to a new church just for a weekend, ask around, see what a real beautiful church is around you that's still close by, and check out that mass. It's going to be different music, different priests, different church. You know, maybe all the friends that you have at church can serve as a distraction. So there you can just fade into the background regarding everybody else and just really be more deliberate about mass experience. So maybe it's going to a daily mass or going to a different church, or even, you know, a Latin Mass. Those are are not super common, but they still fulfill the Sunday obligation, and it's the same valid Eucharist, and it's the Mass that many of the saints we revere, the Mass that they experienced. So sometimes it helps to mix it up. I would say also, too, when you go on vacation, uh, to go to Mass wherever you're at, you know, whether that be Aruba or Alaska, or, I mean, to get to experience the Eucharist in a whole nother culture and setting is just a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I know you have gone to Masses in other countries and other languages, mm-hmm. and a lot of folks have, and they recognize. They know what part of the Mass yeah, we're in. Yeah, it's really neat. Because even if you don't know the language, 
you know what's happening. That's part of the beauty of the universality of the church. All right, you got you got one or two more real quick? I got, yeah, two more. Don't leave right after communion. So that's another big tip that I have. Right after you receive the body of Christ, like, like we mentioned the last point, he's in you. You just received him. Take a moment to take it in and, and just enjoy it. I think it's a really sacred and fragile time, and we want to reverence that. So usually there's a time of silent meditation after communion too, before the closing prayer. That's a time for you just to feel and experience and kind of let God sink into you. Again, if we leave right away and just go right out to our cars, it's like, boom, distractions. Like the enemy is just going to, he's going to barrage you, you know, because you just re- received Jesus into you. You know, I have a complaining problem, and sometimes we all do, or Catholics do, and we complain about people even after Holy Communion. And part of me is like, well, at least they stayed for the Eucharist, and mm-hmm. they didn't leave after the homily. That would be a real bad sign <laughs> that what they, all we care about is, you know, the, That's true. like the personality of the priest. But at the same time, I think there's a lack of knowledge and appreciation about that final blessing. Because it just sounds like, oh, it's just another prayer. But it's not a prayer. It's a blessing. And you're a priest. You've given thousands of blessings. So tell us just real quick, what is a blessing? I mean, for those of us, we do it over our food. Mm -hmm. But a priestly blessing is different. Yes. It's qualitatively different. Well, in reality, we're all seeking affirmation. We are. We all want to know that we are good and that we're loved, and that we're esteemed. Blessing actually comes from the word benediction. So when you think of a you know, benediction with the Blessed Sacrament, benediction actually comes from the Latin benediction. So bene is Latin for good, good. and diction is Latin for? Words? I don't words, know. or to speak, say? to speak, to speak. say. Okay. So to, to speak good well speak. of something. Hmm. When you're blessing something, you're proclaiming, this is good. This person is is good. Gosh, isn't that great to hear? Tommy Dome, you are good. Like you're created in in the image and likeness of God. As the priest gives the final blessing at the end of Mass, he's proclaiming you to be good. He's blessing you. He's affirming you. And you're getting that that affirmation from this priest who stands in persona Christi as Jesus. So it's Jesus blessing you and saying, you are my beloved. You are good, no matter what anybody else says about you, no matter what you might even feel about yourself. Right. You are good. And so you're being blessed at the end of Mass as being good. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. Well, last tip I have is also something that I used to never do, and I do it most of the time now, and that is receive Holy Communion on the tongue. Yeah. And again, I'm not judging other people. Like one of my strengths is I don't think about other people a lot. (laughs) And one of my weaknesses is I don't think about other people a lot. Uh Okay. So I'm not judging other people, but that's also, you know, the weaknesses. I'm not present as much as I could be and thoughtful to others as I could be. But regarding this, you know, I used to only receive Holy Communion in the hands and that's fine. But then I thought about it and I listened to other people talk about the topic You know, I use my fingers, and I eat chicken fingers with my hands. I eat cucumbers with my hands. I eat sub sandwiches with my hands. I eat Cheetos with my hands, flaming hot. And this is so different. Mm -hmm. This heavenly food is so different. And so I'm trying to express my belief that it's different and special in receiving it in a totally different and special way. 
it's like a, it's like a more intimate moment. And I just want to treat it different than chicken nuggets. Yeah, yeah. So I don't a- always do it. If somebody has shaky hands, I'm not like a, it's, it's an absolute rule with me. Mm-hmm. But I just notice the difference in myself. And that, that's the only yeah, person I'm judging here. Yeah, and it might I, just be something here. to try. It, it, it's a, a valid option, actually, but the preferred option in the right. So the way the rights are, are always listed, the preferred option comes first. But yeah, I, I think of a mother hen feeding her her chicks. You know, the all they can do is open their mouth and, mm. be, and be fed. Cool. So it's another another way of being kind of in the state of that receiving. All right, you got a last one. My last point is talk to the people around you after mass, and I say this because um, so first of all, if, if your blessed sacrament is in the main church, then that's not the place to talk to them. You want to go out into the gathering area or outside. Because some people want to stay and pray, and then mm-hmm. it is a sacred place. Sometimes churches have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in a side chapel, so there is more talking in the main body of the church. So go to the gathering area and talk to people because they now carry Christ within them. Our, our seminary professor, Father Woost, used to say that they're living tabernacles. Some of the, the theologians would say we should almost be driven to genuflect before the people before us, because Christ is, is within them as well. So I would just say spend some time either silently praying in the church with what you have just received or going out and, and to actually being with the gathered assembly, going forth out into the world and getting to know them because God is in those people. Awesome. Thank you for your list there. I think in there we, we sort of answered that question, how do you get the most out of Mass, but also answered, is that really a good question? Because we're not just there to get, take, receive. We're there to give and to sacrifice. Mm. Well, you are involved in the new media. So really quickly, I thought it'd be good to ask you, what are some good Catholic apps? So the ones that that I know I love and people love, one of the best is Laudete. That has just a wonderful compilation of some of the greatest prayers that we have. One that I rely on is I Well, hold up. First, first, uh, Laudate is spelled L-A-U-D-A-T-E. Another Catholic app that I really like is Discerning Hearts. You know, so they have compiled just wonderful, wonderful interviews of of the spiritual life. So Discerning Hearts is another great one. Truth and Life Bible app, I love. So Truth and Life is a proclaimed, dramatized kind of audio of the of the Bible of the New, New Testament. Testament. And um, I actually know the guys that made this, and they're just awesome. I want them to do the old. They Testament did a really too. good job. I love it, and I use it on retreat. Um, usually, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to like I just want to hear the word of God. I don't want anything else. Right. But this, the way it's proclaimed, and and the kind of subtle background music and uh, or the and sound sounds. of a pen writing. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Wow, it just like it just enthralls me. So I absolutely love that. Uh, they'll give you a chapter for free, but I would say just don't help these Catholic people out. You know, like uh, buy don't, it. Don't donate the money. Buy it. You know, support all these developers because they're they're trying to do good work and and they need your help. So you'll you'll get the full version if you donate or, or purchase that. Yeah, if you if you wonderful. learn by by listening, which maybe you do because you're listening to this. If anyone's listening to this, then try that audio Bible. I have developed a couple apps, actually, and so I would encourage you, too, to check out. You can either go to the App Store and, and look for The Prodigal Father, or you can just go to The Prodigal Father's website. And uh, I have a couple apps. One's called Pray 40 Days. The other is called The Examine Prayer, which St. Ignatius said is the most important prayer that we could say every day. Whoa. and should be the last one to drop if we're too busy or too tired. 
Um, so check that out. And, and I'm also continuing to develop apps for discernment and, and the spiritual life. And you created your own video series on the mass? On the mass, yeah. So we just launched this video series. It's all available. We try to make everything free online. But again, if you would like to help us out and donate, you can get, there's a C- CD-DVD combo as well as a keychain kit. So it's something that you can watch as a family or on your own, or if you like listening, just put it in your car and listen to it. But then you can also take the the, the keychain and, and use that for your kids at mass. And it kind of just goes through the different parts of the mass. Actually, the points, a lot of the points that I talked about today are further expounded huh. on that. Cool. Well, there were a couple other videos or books or CDs I wanted to mention so people can learn more and encounter Jesus more in the Mass. And the Archdiocese of Mobile, Alabama has a four-video series on the Mass. It's all free. And you can find it at 4 p.m., like the time of day, 4pmmedia.com, the number four, and then pmmedia.com. Also, Bishop Barron has a series on the Mass. There's a new book out by Ascension Press called The Sacred That Surrounds Us. The Sacred That Surrounds Us. And it's pretty cool because it identifies a bunch of the pieces of the parts of the Mass. Tells you about the monstrance, tells you about uh, the chalice, the pat, and the ciborium, holy water. All these things that are in our churches, the altar, the ambo, the tabernacle, has all these parts and gives you that explanation behind them. And lastly, if your parish has formed, we do here at St. Basil's. You can sign up at basilthegreat.formed.org. There's a new series on there called The Elements of the Catholic Mass. Some real cool insights there. And there's also the book or CD, A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. And then also the talk, The Mass Explained by Father Larry Richards. I think all those are on Formed, and you can find them there. Again, you can find Father Michael's information. Follow him at theprodigalfather.org, and you're also on some social media channels. Yeah, so certainly YouTube. I do a live show every week on YouTube to help people get ready for the Mass. You can find me on Facebook. Twitter is at FRMichael. I try to use Instagram, all the social media. So I'd love to have you look me up. The best way to do is go to theprodigalfather.org and click, uh, just enter your email address and subscribe, and then you'll get all the different ways. Father, if you could send us out with a blessing. I'd love to bless you. The Lord be with you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you bless all these listeners. Father, you have created them in your image and likeness and declared that they are good. And not only good, but very good. May those who hear you right now come to know of your unconditional love for them and your desire to give to them at every single Mass that they go to that they may truly experience you as God their Father. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.